Oh, my. <laughs> um, I'm Jean Bailey. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, it's very moving to see you all. I, uh, it's early to cry. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> this is indeed an honor. I'm very grateful to the committee, and I will feel yet warmer toward them when I can get down, I tell you that. Uh, I've been given so much this weekend. Uh, I've loved just seeing all of you move through the hotel. And I've loved the things that I've heard. And uh, I don't know, the highest compliment I suppose I can pay to any gathering like this is that uh, I have uh, been given the opportunity to take my mind off myself for whole minutes at a time. And uh, isn't that a relief? Uh, <laughs> ordinarily, nowadays... Um, I see that you're all on my side, so I'm going to go for vanity now. Um, ordinarily, nowadays, I introduce myself uh, with my first name only. But I was recalling today that something like uh, eight and a half years ago, my late husband asked me... Uh, if I would use my last name because he wanted everyone to know that I belonged to him. And uh, I did for a long time. And it's um, memories like that that I need at this moment. Um, what I have to say is in God's hands now. But um, I like to feel that his strength and his spirit and his courage and his humor... Um, are part of what I have to say this evening. I tell you, um, I've been having a lot of trouble with myself lately. I've had a difficult time for the last couple of months. Uh, there are ladies here who know that. Uh, Elizabeth and Ginny and Roz. And uh, there are ladies who have listened to me say, I'm just fine. Fine, thank you. Um, uh, while they could hear my teeth grind and uh, watch the tendons stand out in my neck. Uh, it was necessary for me to do that for a period of time, and I'm not altogether sure why. Uh, hopefully I don't have to do that anymore. Um, I have never personally uh, heard or read of any uh, good sport widow contest, uh, but perhaps... Uh, I was out to win it, uh, and I put myself under more strain than was necessary, and I used you less than I should have, and uh, I have the feeling this weekend that that is over. I have some new things to say that uh, are possibly more honest than I've been able to be in the past, and uh, now I'm feeling good about being up here. I think this is going to be... Uh, valuable for me. A quick summary of my uh, growth and maturity at 10 years and three months of sobriety. Um, Wednesday, I cried all day, poor darling, and uh, uh, now uh, sometimes that is refreshing, but uh, uh, 
In this particular case, the reason for it uh, made it less enjoyable uh, than some. Uh, my daughter, who is 21, is living with me now. Uh, she has not lived with me in something like 13 years. I would say that 95% of the time, it's a joy and a pleasure and we're doing well. I wanted to be able to stand up here and tell you that that was 100% of the time, but let's be realistic. And um, uh, Friday, we had about the third in a series of disputes. And uh, um, I don't do that well. Uh, now... Uh, Rumor has it that when I drank, uh, I fought and uh, uh, loudly. I was blacked out. I don't know about that. In sobriety, uh, arguments frighten me. Uh, fear makes me cry. It makes me mad when I cry, which makes me cry harder. And uh, the other guy has then won the fight and gone out to coffee. And... Uh, that's what Wednesday was like. Uh, I felt like um, this. Uh, now, this was a fleeting thought. I didn't give it too much time, but I felt like basket cases should not speak at conventions, and uh, uh, what I must do is. Um, devise a little speech to, and I will give Pam a jingle and explain this to her, and uh, I tell you, wherever it comes from, thank God for humor, because I am trying to figure out how exactly I can tell Pam that um, if it doesn't go my way, I don't want to play, and... Uh, <sighs> And there is, um, there was no way to say that, and so uh, pretty soon I was able to laugh at myself, and um, no wonder I'm so exhausted. You know, this stuff is going on in my head all the time. Uh, I have to start back at the beginning, or I'll just get hopelessly mixed up. Um, I learned... Uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, where I've learned everything of any value at all, that the people in my life, from the beginning and straight on through, have all been on my side. And I consider that bad news. I, uh, uh, not pleased uh, to find that out. I wanted desperately to blame it all on someone. And, um, Honesty demands that I tell you that uh, whatever the destruction was, uh, it was from me and towards me, and um, you've enabled me to give that up. I, uh, at the age of five, my mother committed suicide, and I do not to this day understand much about that, because afterwards, with my father and stepmother, I was raised, raised in the sort of manner that uh, if you brought up anything unpleasant at all. It just cleared the room. Uh, so uh, no one would talk to me about that. Uh, I feel personally she was not an alcoholic, and whatever her demons were, they uh, were not the same as mine. Uh, in 1938 in Kansas City, she was under psychiatric care, and uh, in those days, that wasn't just whimsy. Uh, she... Uh, <laughs> uh, she had uh, 
mental difficulties, and that was her choice. Uh, what it did to me is what of interest because I became a professional, poor little thing, and I was able to uh, use this fact in my life uh, to just claim non-responsibility for everything. I considered myself half an orphan at least, and I was able to uh, work this into most any conversation. And uh, um, simply uh, to use it for many, many years. I could bring it up in a gas station if I thought it would do me any good, you know. <laughs> um, My father remarried, as I mentioned, and I was given love and care and a good education and not nearly the responsibility that I felt like I carried. I don't know where in there I decided I was in charge of everything, but I did. And um, I was sort of a weary child, and I just... Uh, um, I look at pictures of myself as a child, and it's just like, oh, you know give that kid a drink, you know, <laughs> really, I was just, <laughs> uh, and uh, when I was 18 years old, somebody did, uh, I was at a girl's school in Missouri, and everything of interest was against the rules, but uh, uh, I was not in the in crowd. Uh, it, wherever you move through life, there is an in crowd, and in I wasn't, I can assure you. So when this girl asked me um, if I would like to hop in the car with these fellows and go on the outside of town to a tavern and drink beer, well, you know, that's like expulsion. But um, I didn't care. I was flattered and delighted, and I went, and I was a social drinker for roughly 10 minutes. Uh, um Whatever it is, um, whatever it is that the chemical alcohol does for us and finally to us, um, just happened to me right away. And my feeling was, for the first time in my life, with conviction, my feeling was, I am adorable. Uh, I was enchanted with myself. I am talking to these people. And I know what they're talking about. And it's all so easy. And if, in fact, at this point in time, with this little tiny amount of beer, it's so wonderful, what would happen uh, if uh, yet they brought another pitcher? And that's the story of my drinking. Uh, what would happen with just a few more? Uh, that kind of tells the tale there. I transferred to USC, and I was there for four years. I found a lot of drinking situations. I would say that uh, certainly by the time I was 19, I fulfilled several of our definitions of alcoholism. After the first drink, beats me. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, something else that's moving to me this weekend is Sue is here. She's sitting right down in front. She and I were roommates for a time at SC. Uh, this weekend, we are roommates at this conference. And, um, you know, that was 20 lots years ago. And uh, um, we re-met in Alcoholics Anonymous. We've laughed a lot this weekend. Uh, and uh, 
it's part of the good feeling that I have for this particular occasion. Uh, in school, I noticed that the thing to do was be in love at all times, and I certainly um, certainly wanted to do it right, so I did that. Um, a psychiatrist, um, whom I lied to in later years, pointed out to me, um, is it not interesting that you were always in love with someone who was in another town, another school, in the service or something? And I said, no, that is not interesting. But, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but that's the way it always seemed to work out for me. I could always be in love, but they were not around, and I didn't have to fool with them. And uh, my fear was I did not want anyone to know me too well. I knew that I was empty. I knew that there was something wrong with me, and I thought the longer I keep that a secret, the better off I'm going to be. Uh, to my great really, I did not find college a merry experience. It just wore me to a frazzle. I didn't know what anybody was doing, and I was getting drunk, and it was a mess. And so, uh, with enormous gratitude, I graduated uh, with a hangover. <laughs> I lived for a period of time with a girl uh, with whom I had worked. And she went to UCLA and presented me with yet a new group of people to humiliate myself with. And uh, I began to think I need a keeper. And uh, that was uh, kind of the story of my first marriage. Uh, I had been corresponding with a young man, oh, in love with, or whatever that is, uh, a young man uh, who was stationed in Germany. So I simply started writing him more letters. And when he came home, uh, regardless of what his, plan might have been, I just pestered him until he married me. And um, uh, we were not spiritually inclined. Uh, he is, uh, he's an architect, and he selected the church because it had a lovely A-line roof. And uh, I planned a wedding similar to those of all my schoolmates, and uh, so we were wed, and then we set about getting acquainted. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know what to say about this man. I had a conversation with him on the phone yesterday. Uh, he has been supportive of me all the way through. As a friend, absolutely. As a husband, no way. Uh, we uh, never communicated. He was frightened of me uh, because of my drinking. He thought I was crazy. And uh, the whole thing simply never worked out. Um, uh, we moved to Hawaii. And now I am faced with... Uh, fear of new people. Uh, I'm trying to give parties that I'm afraid to give to create drinking situations. Uh, a lot of confusion in that time, and uh, my first husband had no notion of what to do about it. Sometime he would come down in the morning, I would be passed out on the floor, and he would say, is something troubling you? Um, I would say... Not at all. And I would, uh, you know, get up and try and fry an egg or whatever wives are supposed to do in the morning. Uh, not a good situation. Uh, I looked around me always for guidelines on how to behave, how to live, how to think, what to say. And I looked around and I noticed that the young women my age were having children. And I thought, how silly of me not to have thought of that myself. And uh, uh, probably I am supposed to be an earth mother. And I better get on with it. Now, I didn't care what he thought about that either. And uh, in short order, I was pregnant. I never stopped 
daily drinking during my pregnancy, but uh, I was proud at the time uh, of my behavior because I didn't fall down, and, and that was controlled drinking for me. Uh, I liked being pregnant. Uh, it was a project. I went to classes, and I read the books, and I breathed, and I panted, and I carried on and did all those exercises and everything, and I had a fine time, and it was also something that my husband couldn't give me too much advice about, and I felt like, this is my deal, just never mind. Uh, <laughs> my daughter was born just over 21 years ago, and um, I felt uh, that my husband had failed me. He hadn't made me feel any better. He hadn't made me understand how to live in the world, you know, bozo. So now I had, uh, I had transferred this responsibility to my child, and um, it still is rather an appalling feeling to me because, uh, you know, uh, there she was, and uh, nothing changed with me. I was in the hospital. Uh, it was, I thought, uh, well, I have to take her home. Uh, I, uh, I hadn't gone quite far enough with my fantasy, and uh, because I didn't feel any different about myself, um, I have to be very honest and say I was a little annoyed with this child. Uh, I thought, well, now what you look what you've gone and done type of thing, you know. And so, um, with that spirit, I started motherhood. And uh, uh, I don't know. It was a very dangerous and frightening time. It was finally easier for me to go back to work because I was drinking and trying to take care of this child, trying to feel like I thought mothers are supposed to feel waiting for her to make me feel better about myself, uh, and all of that, and you're supposed to be on your feet when Daddy gets home, too. It was uh, dangerous, and it was frightening me, and I went back to work. Uh, that wasn't it, so I went downtown and got a divorce. Uh, that wasn't it, and I started coming to the attention of the police. Uh, Whenever I come to the attention of the police, it makes me mad at the city I'm in. So I got good and annoyed at the city and county of Honolulu after a couple of little incidents. And uh, my daughter and I moved back to Los Angeles, and she spent a lot of time with my parents. I decided that if only in the Los Angeles area I could meet a stimulating and uh, intellectual, uh, interesting group of people, uh, that might be it. So I found these drunks in Hollywood, and uh, and you know, however things like that happen, pretty soon I had had a 502, and I had um, burned up my second mattress, and I had started having what I was later to learn uh, were the beginnings of hallucinations. Um, somehow, I don't quite understand this, but somehow... I worked during all of this time, most of the time. I could get up. Uh, usually it took a little vodka to get all the parts working, but I could go to work and be secretarial, and I don't quite know how I pulled that off. Uh, I'm interested in that particular part of my story at this time because I'm going back to work soon. I took the first steps last week. I have uh, been talking about this uh, Perhaps you've heard this story. I've been talking about going back to work for about eight months. You know, I got bored with it myself, and I thought, oh, God, either do shut up or do it. And so uh, um, 
always it involved first doing a resume. And that might have been the slowdown because doing the resume of the past, insofar as my work history, was like doing an inventory. Um, it was painful and I didn't enjoy it. And so I had to wait until I was up against the wall and uh, what I did was I did it. And um, there you are. It wasn't fun. Uh, I had just lots of jobs. Now, most of them were very good. I was not fired because I had a certain instinct about when to get angry at them to create a situation where they were doing it wrong and it was time to move on. Now, if, when rather, I start interviewing for a new job, it'll be interesting to see if anybody wants to discuss this because this is a very long list. Um, not a lot of time in each place. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Whatever. Um, okay. Uh, in Los Angeles, now I am getting in trouble, and I have not found a group of friends to fix it. And uh, I'm having these little skirmishes and embarrassments, like the Hollywood police station and things like that. And so I got... Uh, a little nervous, and uh, moved back to Honolulu, uh, where my daughter was safe with her father. Uh, during the last time, the last few months I was in Los Angeles, uh, I drank everywhere. Only a few years ago, uh, my husband and I were driving down Melrose, and I said, oh, look, I used to drink there. So he's looking for a bar, and he says, where, where? I said, in the library. Uh <laughs> And he said, well, how exactly is that? And I, yeah, that was because I drank everywhere I was uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable everywhere I drank in the library and the May Company and the laundromat and the car and wherever. Uh, that's the kind of drinker I was. Uh, I would go into the library to find the book that would tell me the meaning of it all. And there are so many of them that you just get mixed up and have to go to the ladies' room and have a little drink. So that's why... Uh, that's why I drank in the library. Uh, I had my last, um, before I moved back to Honolulu, I had one of my last attempts at playing social drinker. Uh, I had a date with a man. I was a blind date. Uh, we went to a very nice restaurant. Um, it took a certain amount of vodka to get dressed for a social occasion. You'll understand that. And I was quite done up that night. And, uh, we were getting acquainted, and he was getting to the part about how his wife didn't understand him. And uh, to my complete surprise, with no warning whatsoever, I threw up on the bus boy. And uh, I had no line to cover that. <laughs> and so um, I gave up. Um, I gave up really trying to go out. I was starting to give up a lot of things. I gave up gin because I thought that's what made me surly. Uh, uh, I was to give up driving. I was to just give up lots and lots of things because the only thing that mattered to me was that I had to drink. I had no idea on earth that there was a way to live without drinking. I just wanted to figure out how to do it right. And uh, so in 1967... In January, after uh, more incidents and being hospitalized to be dried out a couple of times, I took anabuse, I drank on anabuse, I did those things. I went to my first AA meeting, 
And uh, it was a busy day because I had to, uh, before I started my new life at 8.30 that night, I had to drink up everything in the house and um, figure out the proper thing to wear. I'm very deep. You can see that. And so uh, it seemed to me the proper thing to wear was a black cocktail dress. What else? Uh, and it, uh, it went nicely with my black eye. Uh, uh, now, I had a story to cover that. I had a story, ladies, to cover everything. An inventive mind, I must tell you. Uh, if, in fact, anyone asked me about my black eye, I'm sure I had some elaborate tale about uh, some dreadful person who had punched me. Uh, there was no one in my life to punch me. I was not sought after. <laughs> uh, I drank alone, and I bumped into things. Uh, I have broken my ribs, I have scars, and I have had black eyes, and apparently the furniture did it. I really don't know. I uh, blacked out all of the time. I went to my first meeting looking for loopholes, and I found some. Uh, I did not consider that I had ever been a thief. Well, a thief was speaking, and I mean, you know, I didn't want to get any on me. I was just terribly elegant, you know. So that I should run with thieves is just, you know. Uh, <laughs> I can, I did, uh, the fact that I had cut the screens to break into my ex-husband's house uh, because he had scotch and I didn't, uh, that, of course, was different. Uh, now, I had never been in a psychiatric situation with locks on, uh, because the day I wanted to go, I couldn't get a ride, and so uh, very truly, there was one woman who was patient with me and who talked to me, and I gave her a jingle one day, and I said, just take me over there for the good of mankind, I must be put away, and she said, I don't think you'll like it, and, I said, and so she didn't want to have any part of any of my ideas whatsoever. And so, really, I think they would have taken me. I consider that just a transportation problem. But uh, uh, when I heard that sort of thing in the, the meeting, it was another loophole. I have never done that. Now, I uh, someone mentioned some financial difficulty, and I thought, tacky, I've never done that. Uh, there was a little misunderstanding in my past about whether or not you're supposed to pay taxes on alimony. And... Uh, uh, I didn't know, so I didn't. Uh, I was later to clear that up. But uh, at any rate, in this meeting, I heard enough things that I was able to go out and drink for five months. Uh, I had an accident in the car in a blackout. I hit five other cars, and no one was hurt. Uh, and I thought, well, perhaps one more meeting. Um I went back, and that time I was to stay for about three months. So I came to you, and I became a slipper. I stayed three months, and I was in booze, you know, a project. And so what I did was become super newcomer. I did. I read the book that night, and then the next day on my lunch hour, I did the steps, and then I went back, and uh, I thought, well, it's all well and good, and certainly I understand it fully. Uh, now let's get. 
a little life in this outfit, and I'm ready to organize a potluck, a potluck or a dance or something. You know, the people in Honolulu were fantastically patient with me. Uh, seeing Jamie here tonight is very meaningful because her folks, uh, <laughs> her folks remember those days well. I stayed in their home. Uh, uh, her mother said, uh, "Someday you're going to get it," and I did. I did. Finally, but it took three and a half years of this type of thing. I uh, I found another tactic uh, that worked for me for a while in lieu of taking the steps, and that was that I was engaged to a man on the program, and he had a good program, and he was a good man, and I was able to trot after him and agree with him and do no work. Uh, when the relationship broke up, uh, so did I, and uh, that was the end of 14 months of sobriety. Um, I moved back to Los Angeles in 1969, and in the Hollywood area where I was looking for all those illustrious friends, I uh, had six months of sobriety when I found yet another loophole. And uh, it's kind of funny now, I guess, and I, I like to tell it because it represents my last drunk, but it was one of the most horrendous periods of my life. Uh, a man in Honolulu for whom I'd worked for the 14-month stretch of sobriety, asked me if I would come back over there and work for him uh, for a while. Now, when I am alert and on my feet and ready to work, uh, stand back. I have a very high energy level, and I can work a lot. Um, and so he thought of me in those terms. He was running for United States Senate, and he uh, said, come back and do this and do that. And I told my sponsor about this wonderful opportunity, and she says, oh, my God, are you out of your mind, was her first reaction. And so we we looked at the things. We looked at the pros and cons of it, and um, uh, it would have meant and did uh, a great many hours. Um, I know absolutely zip, nothing about politics. Uh, I would uh, have found it difficult to get to many meetings. It was, for me, at that time in my life, a bad idea, and I was just packed in a twinkling. And uh, I uh, I finally said something that I just, I can just, it's embarrassing, but I said it, so I'm going to tell you. I explained to her that, you know, she certainly had her opinion, was probably valid, but in this case, uh, things were different because I owed it to my country. Now, can you believe that? I said that. I'm sorry I said that, but I said So, over I went, and I worked enormously long hours, and I had very little notion of what I was doing. The whole thing was vastly confusing. And um, I was there for about six months. At one time, I was in charge of some of the money, and I was kind of doing disbursements in this. And, I mean, that was a real mess. Uh, I, uh, I wonder if they've figured that out yet. I don't know. But... Um, this gentleman did not lose the election, and it would be an ego trip for me to say it was all my fault. It was not, uh, but I was not helpful there toward the end when I started nipping. And uh, that was my last drunk, and I came back to my area, started in again in Hollywood, and um, I had a good feeling, and one that I've had sometimes in the last year or so, and sometimes it gets away from me. I had that feeling that the only thing that matters is sobriety. 
the rest of the stuff, uh, it's all details. Uh, it's all sort of, so what? And uh, I, that's the way I lived for six months. It was wonderful. It didn't matter uh, really where I worked or where I lived or what I drove or how all of that stuff happened because I was in touch with the fact that I wanted to be alive and that you could tell me how to do it and that it was time to do it your way and to start with step one and go all the way through. Uh, I had been in the habit of doing the ones I liked, and I didn't like very many. I uh, I liked the program. I liked the people. I didn't like the part where you don't drink if you're in pain. I had never allowed myself to experience pain, and I didn't want to try. Uh, and so in 1970, I, I had a taste of what it was like to... Uh, be single and go to meetings and uh, just listen for the good things and everything else just kind of fell by the wayside. And that was a, a valuable time for me because uh, uh, in a lot of ways I'm there again. In a lot of ways I feel like a newcomer again. With 10 years, it's, there's been a lot of starting over. There's been a lot of rereading of the book, just kind of word for word for word and slowly. And... Uh, that's fine. That feels good. It's okay. When I had been married, I mean, when I had been sober for six months, I met my second husband at a meeting. And we were kind of friends and chatted. And one night he called me up and he said, I wonder if you would like to go to dinner and to a meeting. And I said, oh, don't mix me up. I can only do one thing at a time. And I couldn't possibly. I thought you were my friend. Why are you saying these things to me? And I just... It'll, it will never do. Heavens, no, I can't. And I said, besides, my sponsor would, well, she says it's not possible for me to get emotionally involved for a very long time. And he said, I did not have in mind getting emotionally involved. I uh, thought perhaps you might like to have a little dinner and go to a meeting. And, uh, you know, how rude. <laughs> And I said, well, be that as it may, no, I can't possibly. I, it won't work, and thank you anyway. Goodbye. And that was that. So the next night he called, and he said, I wonder if you might like to go to dinner and to a meeting. And I said, fine. <laughs> now, uh, I respect my first answer, and I tell young women that the, that is the wise way to go. Um, I'm grateful for my second answer, too, because I would have hated to have... Uh, Missed that marriage on a technicality. Um, we were right for each other. We were both in need. He had lost his wife of many years. Uh, he was in bad shape because of that. I was in bad shape just in general. And uh, so he had 22 years of sobriety. I had six months. And we went to meetings most every single night, and we got better together. Uh, I think it's very tricky and a little dangerous uh, to come together with someone out of need, but uh, it worked for us. And um, uh, so that's the way that was. We were together all the time for one year, and um, then we were married. Um, my first real learning experience uh, with this man took place the first Christmas we were together. We were not married, and we were planning to go and spend the holidays in New York. Um, with an AA family, um, he asked me, now listen carefully, ladies, come on. He asked me 
about two weeks before our departure, what my ring size was. And I said, I don't know, but I can certainly find out by the close of business today. Uh, there's, uh... So, now, what would you think? Um, we've been going together, I don't know, a bit over six months. Uh, we loved one another. Uh, and so I have had my acceptance speech prepared. Now, we got to New York, and I had taken... Uh, he was already there working, and so I flew by myself, and I had taken elegantly in a shopping bag some Christmas decorations, and I decorated the suite we had, and I had, uh, it was a nice, nice Christmas. Now it's time to open the presents. Well, <laughs> he had bought me, if you please, this little, I wish I had it on, I should have worn a tacky thing, a little gold kind of a hippie ring. I was astonished out of my thoughts. I just, I couldn't believe it. I, don't, I didn't know what it meant. I still don't. It means right on, or I don't know what it means. You know, I don't know. Um, it did not mean uh, what I had expected it to mean. Let's put it that way. Uh but I was a good sport, God knows. I specialized in that, and so I was lovely about this thing. And I said, oh, isn't that wonderful? And uh, when we got safely back to Los Angeles, I brought this up, sort of like, what exactly uh, are your intentions? Uh, in the past, if anyone's intentions did not match my intentions, they could just run along. Uh, and so this was an experience of realizing that... Uh, I was with a man who cared very much for me. There was no question about that. Uh, he also wanted a vote in how it all was going to go. Uh, he was not ready to commit himself, and my choice was to uh, follow my inclinations and um, mess it up or to simply sit there and be quiet and enjoy what was happening at the time. Uh, luckily, I chose to do that. Uh, in a few more months... Uh, he thought uh, marriage was his idea. And, you know, that, that often happens if you can be quiet enough. But anyway, he uh, he decided it might be a good idea. And I said, oh, all right. So <laughs> so we were married uh, in Los Angeles by a judge, and we celebrated our wedding at the Roundup. And um, I have been back ever since, and I plan to keep going. It's a very special occasion for me in Palm Springs. Um, I found... My husband passed away uh, a year and two weeks ago, and uh, when I started speaking again, I was hearing something that wasn't quite right, and I, it took me a while to figure out what it was. And I think this perhaps is rather common uh, in speaking of someone uh, who has gone on. I had elevated him to sainthood. I was making our marriage sound like one merry round of laughter from start to finish. Uh, and I finally isolated this, and it was not ringing true. Now, come on, this was a marriage. And it was a success, no question about that, and that's because we worked at it. We had a lot of work to do. Uh, there were compromises to be made. Uh, in our case, because I do feel we were right for each other, most of the compromises uh, were fairly subtle. They were not difficult ones. But uh, they were there. And so now... Uh, I'm kind of standing back and taking a little more 
realistic attitude. Uh, I'm looking at it the way it was. And what happens is it makes it more valuable, truly more valuable. So um, we had our ups and downs. Uh, while we were courting, um, I was, I don't know, in my early first couple years of sobriety, I was really a heavy load. I was enormously analytical. Uh, if I woke up feeling well in the morning, happy, light, I would say, I wonder why that is. Uh, and, you know, you do that, you can arrange to feel lousy in very short order. I did a lot of that. Uh, I wanted to analyze my past, his past, your past, anybody. Uh, we, before we were married, we would come home. I had this little tiny house in a court in Hollywood. And we would come home and sit in the kitchen. And I would proceed to tell him what, in fact, the speaker had meant at the meeting. Um, how possibly he could have expressed it better. But uh, I would take the steps and break them down and uh, tell my husband-to-be what that, all that really meant. Uh, he was very patient with me, and he just let me rattle on like that for a while. Finally, one evening, I was doing my monologue for him uh, after the meeting, and he got up and started to tap dance. Uh, <laughs> And it was in that way, with his particular lightness, that um, he was able to get things across to me because I learned uh, a lot about humor from this man. Uh, and we had to work very separate programs. AA was what we did, but we did it separately. And he stood back and allowed me to go through all of the growing pains that go on uh, when you're trying to live as a sober woman alcoholic, and uh, a lot of these things uh, gave us laughs. Uh, we learned it was better if I was the one to lead off the laughing, uh, but uh, um, we had um, we had a very good time being sober. We had a good time together, and I had I was certainly acquainted with good days. And bad days. I had my bad days, no question about that. Uh, I was very, I found it very difficult to make friends. Uh, it took me a long time to learn how to talk to people. Uh, I finally figured out why that was. It was because I, uh, I couldn't get my mind off myself long enough. I kept thinking, why is it that I, me, 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 I don't know how to speak with you? Well, it's because that was what was running through my mind all the time. I could never hear anything that you were saying. And so I started kind of practicing learning to listen, and then I practiced learning to talk. And all of that was kind of hard for me. Uh, I might say something slick like, you know, so how does your son like prison? Or, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't good at it, but I, uh, I was learning. And now, now I have many, many friends uh, and I have certainly had occasion to realize the value of this. Uh, a year and a half ago, I learned that my husband had terminal cancer, and the one thing that I knew for sure, for sure, was I couldn't do it. I knew that I could not stand it. Uh, I had occasion to talk to God more than I had probably uh, in all of my time of sobriety. Getting acquainted with God... 
I feel, is what enabled me to stay sober in 1970. Uh, looking at my past and at what I tried to do to myself was my spiritual awakening. And I had to start from scratch. I just started talking to God. I didn't know how to do it. And I don't like to do things I don't know how to do. But uh, I wanted to be with you. And I wanted to be sober. And my spiritual program has not gotten a great deal more sophisticated than that. Um, my Father God is with me and has sustained me through many, many things. And certainly through my husband's illness. I was given the power that I personally do not have, not only to stay sober, but to handle that situation, that particular time, in the way uh, that my husband wanted it handled. And we did that, and um, and on uh, the 1st of February last year, he passed away. And I was with him, and I had the feeling that because of God, I had done the best that I could do. And that is, uh, I don't know, somehow that was an enormously wonderful thing to be able to feel at that time. Um, we did not have any particular drama. My husband didn't want to talk about his, his illness. That was his choice. And uh, that's the way it was handled. We did not have any uh, great speeches. Uh, we did not have amends to make. We were even. And so that's the way that happened, and then we each began our new experience, and mine has been a mess. I have to tell you that uh, the things that have gone on with me, I don't know, first of all, I'm way too hard on myself in terms of judgment. I would like to, uh, I mean, uh, who cares? I'm alive, I'm sober, it's all okay, but I have done some truly dumb things. I, uh, I found that in the first few months, um, it's really when I started to run. I simply did not want to feel the feelings. As long as I had a project, something to do, some place to go, some activity, I did not have to sit down and feel it. And that's what I did for a very, very long time. Uh, my friends were around me. They helped me immeasurably, and they let me handle it in my way, which I believe is what friendship is all about. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, and so I ran around and I did things and I talked about going to work and I didn't do anything about it. And I, uh, I would run out of some kind of project and I would quickly whip up another one and I just, you know, I was a crazed person. I just was go, go, go all the time explaining to everyone that I was fine. Uh, and, uh, lots and lots of meetings, thank God. Uh, I think we can do just about any manner of strange thing if we stay close to one another. And I was strange. Um, things um, uh, things slowed down for me a little bit in the summer, and I, I was frightened. Every time I didn't have something happening, I would get very frightened because it seemed like to me I was going to have to sit down and realize some of this. And so I arranged within about a week's time to buy a yellow car and some purple shoes and have my face lifted. Now, uh, that'll keep you going for a while. You know, that kept me busy for a while, especially the purple shoes, because then you got to go buy all the other stuff, because what do you got to do with purple shoes? And so it was this sort of craziness. A friend of mine asked me just a few weeks ago, why don't we go to lunch and to the shopping center? And I said, I can't tolerate any more fun. <laughs> I just, 
I have just run out of gas on all that running around. Uh, I, um, I decided that without the slightest doubt, no question in my mind, the thing to do was sell my house. Well, now there's a project because you've got to clean it, you know. So I whizzed around and got everything clean, and I put the house on the market. And, you know, I expected to come one up. Somebody's going to come with a bag of money in a couple of days. I didn't see there was any difficulty. And uh, they didn't. And about halfway through the agreement, I decided I don't want to sell this house. Uh, so then I had to wait that out. It's been a lot like Chapter 3. You know, move, don't move. Take a trip, don't take a trip. Go here, go there, do this, do that. I mean, the whole thing has just been uh, irrational and strange. And finally... Uh, uh, I celebrated my 10th birthday in November, and that was a wonderful occasion and a busy time and another project and another postponement. And uh, Christmas came, and I was frightened of the Christmas season, and uh, I didn't know where to go to get it canceled. And uh, I uh, and I gave it a lot of thought, and I thought, well, I'm here and I'm alive, and Christmas is happening and probably will keep happening, and I decided to participate, and that was a good idea, although it was tricky. I had friends in my home, and I uh, I celebrated to the best of my ability. Uh, I think the one thing that happened to me in all of this time, uh, by this time my daughter was staying with me, and uh, she'd been living with her father uh, since 1967 when he had to remove custody from me. Uh, she had also... She visited me many, many times. Now she has come to Los Angeles from Aspen, and she wants to live there. So we were starting to try and learn how to be together, and then she went back to Colorado for Christmas. I did not understand what straits I was placing myself in with all of this running around saying I was fine. And I learned that in a very dramatic way, and it was very frightening to me. And I've talked to a few people about it, and... Uh, now we got a crowd. I'll talk to everybody about it. I was, <laughs> I was in the Broadway one day before Christmas, which is one of our department stores that happens to be in Santa Monica. I was walking through the men's shop on my way over to the other side. Uh, I saw this nice-looking corduroy jacket. My husband had featured two tattered, old, scruggy-looking, hideous corduroy jackets, and I looked at this, and this reminded me of him, and without any warning, I just was crying, and I was shaking, and I was uh, doing something uh, that I don't do publicly. I don't make scenes, you know, but uh, this was out of my control, and I had to go sit in the zoo department, and now I'm gathering a little crowd. Well, please, will you just all go about your business and quit looking at me, and the shoe fellow there is saying, is there anything wrong? No, no. <laughs> and I was, I was really a wreck. And I, it frightened me to the degree that I did get out of there. And I did get home. And I had to look at what I was doing. And I was doing a denial that uh, I have simply had to stop doing. Um, sometimes I am fine. And this weekend I'm fine. I feel with you. I am safe. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to turn out. I have much to be grateful for, and I am not frightened. Uh, I would love to feel that this feeling is forever. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but uh, I have got to tell you how it is. No one has asked me to be a good sport about this. Uh, uh, 
And so I'm going to just have to now in the future share how it feels as I go along. I, uh, I think that going to work is going to be a very valuable thing to me. I'm looking forward to it. I think now that the resume is done, uh, I can actually get out and do it. I think that's kind of what I was afraid of. Uh, my daughter and I, uh, after the screaming, uh, we sat down and were able to have dinner together and say to one another that it's time for her to have an apartment. Uh, <laughs> she's been with me three months. I felt like I had so much to make up to this child. And um, I made my amends to her in 1970. And even since she's been with me, every once in a while I will say, she's heard me speak. And after that experience, when she heard me speak, we were driving back and I said, oh, Sharon, you know, you know, and she says, oh, not amends again. You know, it's like she has the feeling that I have done that and that I can just please be still about it now. Uh, and uh, we both know also that we cannot live together indefinitely. It looked cute for a while. It doesn't work. Uh, so uh, she's working full time, and I really don't want to get in a great hurry and write her a check and get it started. I want to, uh, um, I don't know, I want her to be around for a while, uh, for as long as it works, whatever happens. But she will be moving on, and I will be by myself, and that will be okay, too. Uh, everything that I can think of, Every area of my life will be okay. There's no question about that. Uh, God has always been on my side. God has always had better ideas than I do. And uh, I am grateful to him for my sobriety, for everything that's been given to me, for all of the second chances. Uh, I've had a second chance to live. I've had a second chance at marriage. And I have had a second chance at motherhood. And... Uh, I'm sure there are a lot more adventures out there ahead of me. I'm going to stay close to you. I am just enormously proud and grateful to be part of you. And I thank you so much.